Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of We Didn't Know How Good We Have It and I'm incredibly pleased to say I'm joined here by Kieran Roy, lead singer of October Drift. Hi Rich, how are you doing? Not too bad, thanks mate. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, yeah, good. Keeping, keeping on. <laughs> Try and keep as busy as possible. Yeah, yeah. Like I was... Like I was saying, we're still able to go to the studio, which is really good. Um, so we've been, we finished off the second album. We'll finish oh, tracking it. Yeah. Um, songwriting, I was kind of dried up a bit with the, like I was saying, with the, um, the first lockdown, there was kind of like a flurry of creativity with everything being new and stuff like that. Where Having just, that extra time on your hands that sort of might not have existed beforehand. Exactly, yeah. But this time around, I think just the lack of kind of stimulant, like, brain stimulant I've yeah. just kind of got a bit I don't know I've been struggling to write recently but I'm sure it'll come back yeah. I was say it's great news that you've got the second album the first album I must admit I'm a huge fan of I picked it for my uh, one of my top five records that came out last year for Circus oh, thanks, so that man. Was a absolutely incredible effort there I mean it's been interesting because because of the lockdowns and everything we've been we've had to record I mean we've recorded it ourselves because we've yeah. not been able to go to a studio and stuff so it's been quite and I think we've got something that's as good as if we had gone anywhere else. It's just it's taken a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you have slightly more creative freedom amongst yourselves then? Because I know it's all, some, some people enjoy having like a studio engineer there to sort of direct things. But uh, do you feel like it's, it's the four of you discussing things rather yeah. than having an external sort of entity there? Yeah, I think it has. I think, we've, I think it's taken longer, but we've taken more time over like everything that's on there, which has got its pros and cons like, I think there was something in the first album was recorded in a week and it was like we didn't overthink any, anything too much and like yeah. the guitars were recorded at the same time like we set both um, amps up and stuff and mic'd them up and mic'd them up in the room and like did them all together and stuff like that and so there's like there's definitely an energy in doing stuff kind of quickly mm. and like the vocal takes were never more than like a couple takes that's you just um, showing off there though isn't it <laughs> No, no, but this time around, we kind of, I think because we had all the time and because we were doing it ourselves, it was like more, I thought we thought about everything, which yeah. there's got to be a limit to that as well before you kind of sterilize it a bit, probably. But oh, yeah, if you're just overdubbing and overdubbing and overdubbing, you yeah. can just get all oh, just re recording things. You think, oh, actually, maybe the first take was the best one that we did, and we've done 500 yeah. more and from you there. You can just but... drive yourself a bit mad as well, yeah. yeah. But I think, so I think, no, I think. I think we've done something really good, but it has been harder work than doing it with a producer or something like that. J Justin, who produced the last album, we were sending him everything we were doing and he was kind of giving suggestions. So he was kind of producing it like remotely. Like, um, so like, and he lent us a load of mics and stuff like that. So he was kind of still sort of producing it from a distance. Um, so someone yeah, who's no. just a bit, bit more external that you can you can send stuff to, they can have a think over it and then send it back to you rather than it being like there and then an instant. So I suppose that yeah, gives people so, time to mull over ideas and things. Yeah, and having someone else's input from like an outside perspective as well is definitely still really helpful, yeah. Great, well, I, I'm really looking forward to, to hearing it. Is, is there a plan for it to, to get out or anything? Obviously, you don't have to give away anything if you don't yeah, want. Yeah, so we're still waiting. We're, we're, it's not been mixed yet, so um, we're getting that together and we'll hopefully be able to start releasing singles off from it this year is the plan um not quite sure when yet but yeah 
obviously with the we originally didn't want to release anything before we we were like before we could gig was the but then as as it's gone on and on we're like oh well we thought we'd be able to gig by now kind of thing yeah yeah, well, yeah. Um, so we now all, it's like right we, we should start yeah so now it's like right we should probably start thinking about getting this stuff out so there's yeah. a thing i've sort of mentioned to a couple of other people i've spoken to um about the way i mean myself being a music promoter so i've, I've had to halt putting gigs on just because mm-hmm. it, it the uncertainty of what's going on but from what i've gauged from speaking to a lot of different people the music industry seems to have just been put on pause especially from like a fan's perspective because people still are there for the acts they're still buying t-shirts they're still buying records they're still buying tickets for events that they know may have you know be postponed or cancelled but they're there to support the act so i feel like that need it's something we've mentioned before like that pressure to to do something right now i think is kind of lifted a little bit more um and but i also like that bands are putting stuff out to try and sort of be like we're still here and we're still like grateful yeah. for, for everyone's support and things as well i think it's, it's a good it's a good time now because we've, we've got nothing but time to absorb yeah um any any of the arts really i suppose yeah and we we did the um so we did the album in january last year and then we we were lucky enough to do the do a tour in february so in fact i think it was yesterday was our last gig a year today since our last gig oh yeah i saw last, that i saw that social the last media date of the tour yeah oh. um but we had the old, old blue last that one was yeah yeah you like so it was great it was great because like you know the, the tour was the best we'd done and that gig was it was good to go out on a high at least. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, we did an EP since then just to kind of keep putting some, keep active and like that was, that was fun to do as well. Cause I'm not sure we would have done it if it wasn't for the fact that we weren't touring and stuff like that, but it was yeah. interesting to put out the kind of stripped back EP and, um, but yeah, so, I mean, it's just, it's a weird time isn't it yeah this is it's true that it's, it's good that people are still um kind of actively like our tour that was on sale that got moved it's got rescheduled like three times but the tickets have still sold well so i think yeah when when it can eventually go ahead people will be I think yeah, pe- people it, I need think. people need to to have the the positive outlook on we will be going to shows not when we will be mm-hmm. going to shows is that we will be going to shows again hopefully by the end of this year obviously i've been the same as well i've been been looking at you know gig ticket festivals and gigs and stuff like that like yeah. <laughs> come on i suppose yeah you, you can't not especially i suppose you, you've been a musician as well it's, it's good to be surrounded by people like that are like-minded you know if you if you can't go to i mean i i, I need that brain stimulus like you were saying earlier on that i need to go to a gig and be surrounded by people who love the same thing that you're mm. there from and just have that sort of social interaction i think we're all severely lacking at the moment which is a shame but we yeah, still definitely we still have uh, video calls though so that's a that's know, always yeah. good though right it is true and it would be a different story without the internet and you know it's true right and um, we'll move on obviously to the sort of crux of, of this idea um thank you for joining me by the way obviously i should have said that right there at the Pleasure. beginning there yeah, but no um uh, if we wouldn't mind, we'll, we'll start off. I'm going to do something a little bit differently because uh, some of the stuff you sent me, it got me thinking about how important small music venues are to individuals and where they start in their sort of musical career and things. And you being from Taunton, obviously, mm-hmm. with, with all due respect, it's, it's a very small town. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not your Bristol's, it's not Oxford, it's not, it's not Liverpool. Um, how did you sort of come about 
wanting to do music and starting, um, you know, basically starting the band that you're in now. Obviously, you, you mentioned that you have different names and all sorts of things like that. Yeah, yeah. Before, but how did that sort of come about? So we went to we all went to school together, secondary school together. And we met uh, through skateboarding, really. Um, and me and Dan started writing songs together, just the, just the two of us. And then uh, we roped Biz, who still plays the bass with us now, in. We said, if you, if you got a bass, then he could join the band kind of thing. Yeah. And so it was the three of us and a different drummer um, back in school. And there was a sort of youth promotions company called Liven Up who would put on sort of underage gigs back then mm-hmm. and so we to do them um, there was a little sort of scuzzy rock venue bar called Rockers Live mm-hmm. we did a few gigs there that was like you could smoke in there that's how long ago it was <laughs> <laughs> so um, but yeah we'd go we, we did a few gigs there. Um, and then when we went to, then we went to college, um, that's when Chris joined. So it was the same, the same four of us since then. And that's when me and Dan, there was a, a venue that I mentioned called the Perfect Fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, me and Dan got jobs there when we sort of turned 18. Um, and that was like a basement, 200 cap basement venue with a little bar upstairs and then like a venue downstairs. And it was really cool. And there was a, a handful of bands around that time, like um, that would like a little scene. I think that just that, like we're saying that just having a venue there just gives space for sort of scenes to emerge. Somewhere so there's a handful of creators to gravitate around and, and get to know each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so there was a handful of bands and like people from from those bands, I think, will probably work behind the bar at a certain time as well. And um, so it was a band called the Paper Plane Pilots who who then went. So and okay, interestingly, they obviously came from Taunton. They moved to London as a band to try and to like try and make it as a band kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think they couldn't afford to then go to rehearsal studio spaces and stuff like that and like working just to live in London and like flat out and stuff like that. So that's the other flip side to it, I guess we've, (laughs) we've been able to set up our own studio and work part-time jobs because it's kind of cheapish to live here and do the band and stuff like that. So there is pros and cons to this, but, um, but anyway, Paper Plane Pilots, a few of them went on to start a band called Virgin Kids. They've released it. They released it. They've dismembered now, but they released an album a couple of years ago, which was cool. It was kind of like psyche, surfy kind of stuff. That was good. Um, but yeah, I mean, just having a venue so since then, as far as I'm aware, there's not been, apart from us, there's been really not much in the way of bands. Um, well, I think we mentioned before just before we started recording this about how being from from somewhere like Taunton I suppose this works the same way if you've got people who are from smaller towns uh like let's say Telford for example or places outside mm-hmm. of Sheffield and, and the West Midlands who they have no choice but to travel to those bigger cities with a slightly bigger sort of creative culture if you will mm-hmm. um 
and having to sort of glue themselves into that scene. And, and I don't mean that they're, they're forcing their way in, but they go where we're from, what we do, we, we can't necessarily push this as hard as we, we would love to. And we, we want to get this out to as many people as possible. So I have no choice but to to travel to Bristol, for example, like we, you mentioned yeah. before. If you, it's it's great going back and doing an actual hometown show in Taunton, and, and you're going on and ask you to talk about that show that you did before. But traveling to Bristol could be as much as a hometown show for you guys yeah. as yeah. you know someone from Telford traveling to Birmingham or someone you know from outskirts of, of of Leeds, for example, making the the effort to go through to there. Do you feel like there's a little bit more? pressure on you as a as an artist or as an act to go to these cities and and, and break into those scenes or, or do, you, do you feel like being where yeah, you're I think from we had to yeah. yeah yeah we had to i think i felt like i was saying our first london gig in our previous incarnation of our band was in like 2010 um yeah. rolling back all the so, years <laughs> yeah right um, but we, we our first manager was from doncaster and we he was promoted at a venue called the leopard and we kind of based ourselves from there. Um, and then our manager, who we were with when we launched October Drift, he was from Sheffield. So we based our band from there, kind yeah. of musical hub. And um, like musically, the North, we've like the kind of always sit, sat well in the North, like Manchester's now kind of, we sell as many tickets as Manchester as anywhere else, probably more than anywhere else. Um, but yeah, we're based in between Bristol and Exeter, and both of them have some like, um, like you know, great venues and things like that. And both gigs in both Bristol and Exeter could be considered kind of hometown gigs, um, in a way because people will tra- like friends and family and stuff will travel to both. Uh, yeah, happy to travel to go and support. And, and I suppose yeah. you, you sort of build a following if, if people notice that you're from from these places. So you play them more, say more often than than others due to obviously having that sort of family or friends connection as well, then mm-hmm. you can build up a bigger, but mm-hmm. you, you guys as a band could help that local scene, you know, by working as yeah. hard as you do about the whole thing. Yeah. And putting on, I mean, bands and things as well. And just in the ways of supports and stuff like that, like, yeah. that can, That's one thing I, I've, I've always admired about a lot of promoters who they'll bring a, a, a bigger touring band. Let's say a band that's just three, 400 tickets and they mm-hmm. give the local acts who wouldn't necessarily in their, in their wildest dreams think that they would be supporting some of these touring bands mm-hmm. You give them the opportunity that I think it's a really good thing to do, especially if you can do that as a band as well, which I, I believe you do yeah, do. Don't sure. you? Just give them just yeah. opening support starts and things makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. But since then, I mean, since we've kind of got to, we know we spend, we've spent a lot more time in Bristol than Exeter and um, we know there's, there's more of a scene I think for what we're doing in Bristol and um, and like our sound engineers from the from the Louisiana and we've got to know the Louisiana really well and like everyone who works there and stuff like that that's kind of like what we would consider maybe our sort of local venue even though it's a bit like a bit up the road that's um, that's probably the closest thing like we've got to a local like, venue yeah yeah, yeah. and let, let's go into a couple of bands and talk about talk about Bristol obviously there's a hell of a lot of great bands that come out of Bristol. Um, let's have a couple, if you want to name a couple or, or, you know, name sort of how Bristol means to you. Yeah, of course. You mentioned to me, like, I was with the Howling, uh, Howling Owl Records and, yeah. you know, the connection. So I said about, like, um, liven up the the sort of youth organisation that we put on gigs when we were teenagers kind of thing. Um, a band called The Naturals would come and 
play those shows as well. And even back then, like when we were like 16 or something, they, they were incredible, like really, really great. And they, they released an album. They did one album called Hive um, a few years ago um, through Howling Owl Records. Um, they're, called, they're called Giant Swan now, which is like techno through yeah, guitar. They've changed quite like a bit, haven't they? From my understanding, I, when you mentioned to me, I was doing a bit of a deep dive and realised mm-hmm. I, did, I did watch them open the stage at Arc Tangent Festival and mm-hmm. they, they, they blew me away. I know they were the first band of the day and it's always like good to get off to a good start, but having listened to how they sounded then and listened to Giant Swan, it's a, it's a little bit yeah, different, yeah. I feel. Yeah, yeah, it's quite out there. But um, I think they got more and more experimental. They always had that in them, but they became less of like an indie band, I think. And so, yeah. But they're, 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 and they're incredible live as well. But um, yeah, Howling Owl Records, like I said, was um, started by Spectres who were from Biddeford or Barnstable, I can't remember, North Devon. Mm-hmm. And they moved to Bristol and started Howling Owl Records, which, um, and Spectres themselves, like we played with them over the years. And they're a great band. And Howling Owls put out some cool music over the years as well. Um, Oliver Wilde being a favourite of mine. Um, he's now in a band called Pet Shimmers with Mig, who books gigs at the Louisiana. So I had a, I had a good listen to Pet Shimmers and really enjoyed them. They've got this sort of like Menace Beach, Tame Impala, like mm-hmm. psychedelic yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of sound going on. I've really, really enjoyed that. It's, it's, it's good to know that obviously from little beginnings in like in that liven up those people having the same yeah. sort of musical mentality leading to bands like Spectres who have done incredibly well over the last few years as well yeah um it shows how important having a small space or just a just an idea can sort of lead a band to to well to where you guys are now as well which is yeah doing pretty well if you, if you ask me thanks yeah well yeah no you're totally right and just having those places for though for the space for those bands to meet other people and stuff like that. I mean, um, going back to the perfect fifth, there was a guy called Josh Brooks bank and they were, um, in a bank of the Locarnos, which were from Taunton, which became camera culture. And then he was in a band called Sienna chorus. Um, more recently they were from Bristol. They were based in Bristol and they had some, I'm not even sure that I think they put one song on Spotify. And they have got a song called Sideways on YouTube, I think, which was great. We we played with them a few times in Bristol, and they were great live as well. Um, I like how a lot of these members of, of, of different acts have gone on to join different acts and then carry on from there. It's, it's something I've noticed a, a, a real nice theme of because uh, in one of the episodes that I was chatting with uh, one, of, one of my good friends who lives up in Manchester, and there's a, a musician who ends up playing in like four or five different bands, but you don't realise mm-hmm. it from the completely different music styles as well. And it's mm-hmm. It's quite a thing to, to behold, really, when you, you meet you meet one person and you're like, oh, what do you do? He goes, oh, I play guitar and I play keys and I play drums and I do a bit of singing. It's like <laughs> yeah. in all of these bands it and is. everything as well. It, but it yeah, shows how is. hard people are willing to work as well. To, mm-hmm. to if, if they believe in something that they that they do, then you know they'll they'll do what they can really to to get as far as they can with it. Mm-hmm. But having said all that, like um, we've never really considered we've never actually infiltrated the bristol music seat like we've never really been welcomed like particularly by the music scene in bristol by other bands and stuff like that um so like it's that's where we would consider ourselves closest like most closely linked but not like a bristol band yeah um so yeah it is interesting and out of that we've 
I think the pros is that we've not been, like when you're in a scene, it could be hard to break out of it and you get linked with associated bands and stuff. And then in a way, I, don't, I think there's pros and cons. Like we've, yeah. we've never had the struggle of trying to break out of a scene or like built somewhere but not been able to sell tickets elsewhere. Yeah. It's always been quite spread across the country. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you when it comes to it's, it could be hard to break out of a scene. Like um, a lot of bands, a lot of bands, hopefully if, if they're listening to this, they need to realise that it's fantastic starting a scene and working with your counterparts in your city. But then you need to try and take that with you where else you go as well. Mm. Um, like do gig swaps, all that sort of thing. That just take, take your scene with you. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you're trying to break out of it to go and you know discover a different city. Take it with you. Take the energy and everything. Um, the same goes again. Like the the energy that you put out on stage, take that with you. Even if you're playing in your you know your local 100 cap venue and you're going up to mm-hmm. play somewhere in North, that's just a little little DIY punk venue. Take it with you because it means a, it means a lot to people where you're from. So it should mean a lot to people where you're going to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the first things. Well, one of the things we learn anyway is like just to kind of give it all and even if there's like, you know, five people there, just consistently try and yeah. give the best gig you can and maybe they'll come back and bring a few more people next time. And so you, you play to the people who are there, not the people who aren't there. It's yeah. a nice sort of mantra in it. Because I mean, I've put gigs on where no one's turned up and it's been really disappointing, but you watch the act and they don't care so much. They're like, mm-hmm. this is it. Like we're here to play. I'm going to play 110% like I would do if I was at Wembley mm-hmm. Arena. And it's memorable for the people who are there as well. Like exactly. it can still be a great gig. If you're one of the one of 10 people in a room, it can yeah. still be like a great gig if the band's still into it and everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we had growing up in around here, it was more like, um, there was obviously Glastonbury Festival, which is down the road, which I that thought- li- That little thing maybe, there, sorry, I could, should, exactly, should have mentioned that. Like, <laughs> It was it's the next town was over, most, isn't it, Glastonbury? Yeah. Um, yeah, so although there was no scene, there was still, like, this, obviously, like, one of the, I don't know if it's the biggest open-air festival, festival in the world. In the world. Yeah. 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 So it was, like, that was still there once a year, and it kind of maybe meant that, like, that world was still in re- like within reach kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just think that there was there's something interesting in having that having no scene, but still having that kind of almost on our doorstep. I suppose you have there, there are people from all over the world that go to Glastonbury Festival, and I bet mm-hmm. they stop in hotels and all sorts of stuff in Taunton, and I bet it's part of the world that you know benefits from Glastonbury. I know it it can be a bit of a a logistical nightmare for people who live around there. I know my my good friend Simon, uh, he's yeah. he's had trouble like going to see his parents and stuff around the time just because they close yeah. every road off and all sorts yeah. of stuff. But, <laughs> but you wouldn't yeah. experience that part of the world, I suppose, without without Glastonbury at the, at the end of the day. Yeah. But, um, and it's also uh, worth mentioning that, like, most people, like, our age, when we were teenagers and stuff, there was, like, free parties and raves in woods and stuff like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing that people, like, was made, was more of a thing than, like, going to gigs. And probably because going to gigs took quite a bit of, like, you had to, like, get on a train and go to a, a Exeter or a Bristol yeah, or something. Yeah, it wasn't just, then... like, walking into the city centre or anything like that. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, you have, to, you have to plan it a couple, couple of weeks in advance, at least. Like, 
Yeah, Ask your dad to drive you into Bristol. Behind my house, like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get um, the PA the PA system out there and a the generator. You'll be yeah. fine. They did it in the nineties. Yeah. It used to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of songs always resonated with us. I think all of us more like we would go to parties and stuff like that and have a good time. But like bands and songs, we, we always resonated with us more, and we tried to. We always went to Bristol and Exeter. You know made the effort growing up and stuff to go to gigs and things like that who was let's, let's go into some of the best acts that you'd say that you sort of made the, the concerted effort to travel to go and see then let's say if you're you're at home in taunton and you go right i'll get the train where are we going who are we going to see well we'd go to gigs in at the louisiana which are just like like smaller bands and stuff like that but um i mean we've we've gone to cardiff like Travelled to Cardiff when we were like eighteen to go and see Biffy Clyro, and um, just trying to think of growing like growing up where we where we would go. We'd go down to the Cavern and or the Phoenix in Exeter as well for for gigs. Um, but yeah, like like I said, we've had the Perfect Fifth as well, which was like local bands and stuff like that, and that had to, we had some great nights there as well. Um, just trying to think of any. I've put you on the spot there. Apologies. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, did, did you sort of feel like you had to come out of your local local area and stuff to go and see these bands, or were you like lovingly absorbed with what it was that you were sort of helping to create? You know, being at the Perfect Fifth and doing the stuff with um, Liven Up and and the acts that you you know that. I, moved on to go to London and stuff and seeing that unfortunately that it didn't work out for them as well as they would have liked it or you would have liked mm-hmm. for them. Um, did you feel a pressure to make the difference, like to, to travel or, or whatever, or is it just like yeah, Taunton, Taunton is home and that's where you want to do it? No, we considered moving to, well, A, when we finished college, we considered uh, like going to university and trying to be like as a band and do something like that. We yeah. looked at um, commercial music courses and stuff like that mm-hmm. but basically decided against it because like we figured that we could still tour and st- like anything we learned at university or facilities we could kind of work learn out as you go along yeah mm. that's understandable I, I personally i did a music business degree and as it, i would say it set me up for what it is that i needed to learn it didn't necessarily teach me absolutely everything that i needed to know and mm-hmm. you know the real world side to it is nothing like reading out of a book jumping in a, in a car and, and traveling 200 miles to go and play a gig and pretending to be your own tour manager and, and you know, dealing with sound engineers and stuff. Books mm-hmm. don't really, they don't set you up for, for that really. No. Um, so yeah, so we did, so we did that and we, we had sort of toyed with moving to different cities and stuff like that. I mean, now we're, we're like really well rooted here. Like with the studio that we set up a few years ago and, um, yeah like our houses and families and things like that so we're 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 pretty well rooted here now um and i think there's got to be something said for like see for towns and cities well cities like getting behind their artists and for having links with venues and promoters and people who live in the city um we've had to work harder i think to make those relationships friendships and things like that and Mm -hmm. But now we've been doing it for quite a long time. We've got we're friends with promoters from different places. Yeah, so there's all like over, yeah. 
all over and there's plate like when we turn up to like the Leadmill in Sheffield or Kintuts in Glasgow or like the, the bunch of places it feels almost like it's like really familiar we, we, we yeah. know the promoter and it's like um not a hometown gig but you know like almost got that kind of feeling like it's like you, yeah. you're going back and visiting after a, after a long going back home after a long time but each night it's like doing that where you could somewhere be somewhere else <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah and you, you know the promoter you've worked with them before. and yeah 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 there's something definitely something in that and then I, I guess that's a fairly unique situation i'm not sure like um there was a few there was a band called presence for sally which are from i think they're from yoga or from somerset somewhere which um who played at the perfect fifth and they're like a shoegaze band they were they were really cool and i'm not sure they gigged like a whole lot but they put out a couple albums and they were really good um there's a band called hey colossus have you ever heard of them yes so they, I think they're from London originally, but I think maybe half of them live in Somerset or something now. Um, and Joe, I can't remember his name. Joe Thompson, is it? I think maybe he wrote a book called Sleeve Notes, which is like, it resonated so much. It's just like, obviously living in Somerset and it talks about just the sort of DIY tours and everything and and from doing it from Somerset and stuff like that. That was like a sort of rare similarity I'm, I'm not sure there's many other people maybe who would resonate <laughs> with that book so much but. yeah it's like here read this book it's about living in a really small town in, in the southwest of england you'll love it it's like i live in sheffield i don't know what's going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um that was yeah just a, it was a funny read and it resonated a lot um so there is a like there i guess there is a handful of bands who've got similar stories so you'd say sort of it's it's good being from somewhere that you can you can come back to and it, it is home. Like I said, you're rooted there. You've got the studio, you've got everything as well, but it's not hustle and bustle. It's not 110 miles an hour all the time. It's nice and it's at your, it's at your pace that you set. Yeah, uh, there's definitely pros and cons. Um, I'm not sure which outweigh which, but like us being able to, like, the stu- like to run the studio and to work job, like, like minimum wage jobs and be able to afford to do the band and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is like a kind of a privilege that you might not be able to find in like London or even Bristol or like bigger cities, which are more expensive. Maybe you would in the North and things like that. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons, but that's definitely a pro that we've been able to, to do that. And just having a studio more than anything has been, like especially during lockdown, like coronavirus and everything. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of bands and artists can't get rehearsed, can't see each other, can't write, re- record, or anything like that. We're like very lucky that we can still that be productive. Yeah, you've got your your hub to sort mm. of. I suppose even if you wanted to go there on on your own, it's a space, isn't it? It's a it's a it's a creative space that you can use. Um, yeah, and we, we've recorded sessions and videos and stuff like that there and um i mean that's another thing is that we've learned to be really out of necessity again like diy with almost every aspect of our band Mm -hmm. like we've made out all our own music videos we've like recorded it all um we've set up the studio we've like everything's been really diy because out almost out of necessity because there's not like a, a bunch of people 
in the vicinity who who can you can hit up to help with these things. Yeah, yeah I suppose. Yeah, that, but in that case, then that 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 must drive you more that you know you have to do it yourself. Well, not that you have to do it yourself, but you've got this opportunity to do it yourself mm-hmm. um, rather than, you know, you could be signed to a label in London and they could be like, we've got all these, these guys that want to do this music video for you and you have to do it on their terms in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it must be nice going back to whole, like the recording of the album, being able to do that stuff yourself and learning how to do it as well. That, that sort of goes along the side of like not to trash on, on university courses and stuff, but you learn how to do it as you go along in the real world. If you want to do yeah. something, you, you then have to figure out how do we get, where do we hire cameras from? How do we do this? Yeah. Who's doing the screenwriting, etc. cetera. Um, what was the, the music video where you chased the back of a van? I think it was... Uh, oh, The Silence. Yeah. I was going to say, how yeah. long, how was tiring was that? Because I remember watching it for the first time. And like, I was knackered watching, <laughs> watching you do that. The original plan for that video was to, um, you know, those segues where you, like hoverboards. Oh, yeah. Them? Yeah, the death traps there. Leaning forward, yeah. So I was, the original plan was to follow the back of the van on them, but not see that. So I'd just be kind of like floating towards the camera. <laughs> and so we were up on the airfield filming that video, but the ground was so uneven. Hmm. And there was like cracks and stuff like that. So I'd get like halfway through the song and then like hit a crack. Yeah, and just like, like stack it. Everybody reset. Yeah. I, did, I think I did that a few times. And I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, <laughs> So then we just thought, oh, then we just, oh yeah, we also had um, candy, we also had a load of candy, buckets of candy floss, so we did a load of takes where I was doing the same, but eating this candy floss, and it was like sticky, it was raining as well, it was like, oh, it's dolping as it going in. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and then, so we did, also did that, and then eventually I was like, I'm not really feeling this, let's just try one where I just run after the thing, and we were like, oh, actually that looks, yeah. Yeah, it did, <laughs> it did, cool. it did look amazing, like I said, I was knackered watching that video. <laughs> Did you like yeah. do, do like double speed? That's what I was just thinking. Yeah, we did it. The so song it was double slower. speed. Yeah, so, so you wasn't have to running sing for twice that long. Yeah. But I was running. Yeah, I was singing on twice. Yeah, double speed. Yeah. I'd say a minute and a half of running or two minutes of running for us that have been sat in lockdown drinking cans of lager is still quite quite a lot. So uh, kudos <laughs> to you, man. Kudos to you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but if you want, yeah, to... like that, filming our own videos has been really interesting, and also. I think every video we've done, we've done, it's been a bit trial and error, like I said, with the hoverboard and the candy floss and like each one we've done, I think we've gone back and like the losing my touch one, we filmed, we spent like a day filming it and then we were like got home and we're like, okay, this isn't quite working, but like we can, we went back and we learned where, and that kind of freedom as well. So well, as you're if not you un- spent a day with someone and we're not paying, we're not paying anyone when, yeah. you know, yeah. gives us, yeah, more, I think more freedom to do those kind of things. And the same with recording. And I mean, the fact you can just go and hang out on an airfield, was, uh, I should really say that, that not everyone gets that sort of uh, opportunity yeah. either. Yeah. Yeah. I think we paid the farm, like there's a farmer who owns it. Um, <laughs> and yeah. So okay. Somerset. I love that. I love that. I know, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. We gave him thirty quid or something, and he was. Um, it's like, can we go and drive up and down your runway for for an afternoon? And he's like, yeah, dude, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if we can quickly just talk about, obviously, there's a tour booked for um, sort of October time, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, over in in Europe. Yeah, the, with the Slow Readers Club. Yeah. Who are um, who are a Manchester band who we played with them first in Leeds years and years ago. 
I can't remember what the venue is called, but I have a feeling that's no longer there either. Is it probably the cockpit or somewhere? Oh, uh, yeah, it wasn't cockpit, but we did play there as well, which is no longer there, is it? Sadly. Mm-hmm. That was a cool venue. Um, this was like more of like a bar pub, and they put on gigs. Um, and you, they, you, yeah, so you, you're, you're basically going all, all, all over with them, aren't you? You went to Slow Readers Club, yeah. Fingers yeah, yeah. crossed it can happen because that's in, yeah, like October now, isn't it? But it's in like 13 different countries. Mm. So um, obviously with coronavirus, we're not sure if what's going to happen. Mm. Fingers crossed it can happen by then, yeah. but it wouldn't surprise me if it can't. Yeah, I, I really we'll hope just because, like I said, we were, we were planning on, on coming over and, and checking. So I've always, always wanted to go to Norway. So the fact that you're playing in Norway is, is a... It's, it's yeah, class, us too. Right? We've done, we've done, um, we've done, you know, bits in Europe with editors and with we are scientists where we where you mm-hmm. where we met you. Yeah. Um, but we've never been up to sort of Scandinavia and stuff like that. So that will be. I'm really excited to to do so, those gigs as well and see those places. It's colder than when we met in Munich. I would say <laughs> definitely, definitely get the coat out for, for yeah, going for sure, Norway, especially in October time and everything. Um, but I, I'm going to leave it there. But I want to say thank you so much, obviously, for for joining me on this. It, it and obviously you taking up your time. But you could be down the studio. No problem at all. Recording. Yeah, yeah. So you talk talk as a little old me instead. But yeah, thank you so much, Kieran. Um, no worries at all, Rich. Good luck with the the second album. Good luck with the tour as well. I know that we'll speak again soon. Thanks very much, mate. Take care, man. Bye. Bye.